Hey, you guys, it's Alana coming to you from my couch in Brooklyn, New York, USA. I just wanted to talk for a moment about the status of things. As I approach 250 episodes, I want to first and foremost say thank you to all of you. The Little Known Facts community has been one of the most glorious things in my life, and I hope has brought true joy to so many of you. Uh, I feel like we're a family, and so many of you have been listening from the beginning. Um, And to those of you who are newer to the podcast, I'm so glad you're here. I feel like this community remains one of the most special parts of my life and has been something that has really helped me get through this unprecedented, awful time. Um, And I just wish you good health first and foremost. And I also wanted to say that as you can imagine, because you listen, you know, a lot of my sponsorships in the past came from arts related organizations. And as you can imagine, most of those have not been able to continue sponsoring the podcast because theater and arts in general continue to be paused or slash intermission or whatever you want to call it. So here is why I'm interrupting our regularly scheduled programming for one second. Um, On my website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, there's a donations page, and it's really simple to contribute, whether you do it through PayPal or Venmo or however you want to do it. And I say to you, honestly, if every one of you donated $1 a month, it would make an extraordinary difference in um, the support that I would have to continue making this content for you every week. Um, I don't do this alone. By the way, if you cannot contribute, that is not going to stop me from making content for you every week. The joy that I get making this podcast and getting to connect with you really is worth its weight in gold. But there are some realities. And if you were thinking of donating and maybe you haven't had a chance, um, might this be a good time? And if not, don't worry. I'm right here. I feel you. And it's a big ask. But that's why I'm saying even a dollar a month would be significant. Um, But mostly, I hope you are well. I hope you are safe. I hope you have loved ones around um, to be with during this rough time. And as always, I'm so grateful to you. And thank you for being a part of the Little Known Facts family. And I, uh, I look forward to all being able to hug each other soon. All right. Have a great day. Enjoy the episode. Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I heard you needed inspiration He's a lot of and friends with some revelations Little known back to the day Every little thing's gonna be A-OK
well-known fact today about my guest. She's the social media director for Playbill, the Bible for Broadway lovers. But not only is she incredible at her job, she has been a guiding light in my life for a very long time. Maybe we met the first time at a Broadway con. I don't even remember anymore because I can't remember life before Felicia Fitzpatrick. But her intelligence, her heart, her humanity, her empathy, her intellect, the way she looks at really intense life moments and finds a way to put words to them so that we can all feel like we are heard and on a journey together. She's a thought leader. She's one of the most extraordinary people that I've had the privilege to know. And I thank God I started this podcast because somehow it connected the two of us. The incredible hours of joy she has given me in the content she produces, the things she has written about theater and plays and artists, her podcast, Call and Response, which is um, an intersection of Black artists and theater and activism, her own activism. Those are just some of the reasons that I admire her deeply. And I feel so lucky to have her as a guest on the podcast today. And after you listen, look out in the world for different things she's touched with her own artistry. You will be moved. You will think more deeply about things. And you will feel lucky that you live on the same planet as my glorious friend, Felicia Fitzpatrick. So welcome to the podcast, Felicia. Hey, everyone. My guest today is Felicia Fitzpatrick. Felicia is Playbill's first ever director of social media and creative strategy and first black female department head. She is regarded as a pioneer of Broadway social media, revolutionizing Playbill's social engagement and storytelling strategies during the time Broadway was shaping its own digital landscape. She specializes in social media strategy and cultivating online communities. She also hosts an incredible podcast called Call and Response. It's a podcast that explores the intersection of Blackness and performing arts. For a very long time, she hosted on Fridays Broadway Live, aka (laughs) Broadway Live with Mark Picard, um, which is really how I got through many Fridays in my life. Um, She is a friend. She is a uh, beautiful, beautiful soul who is an activist and a community leader, and not just a pioneer in social media, a pioneer in so many areas. And that is why I'm so thrilled to have this incredible friend on the podcast today. Welcome, Felicia. Hi, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I love you. This, uh, Thank you for that. That intro is very lovely, but I just, I, I am so excited to just hear your voice right now because I I miss you so much and I I appreciate your kind words. I know for people listening, you know, Felicia and I had the great fortune of not just 
occasionally making appointments to see each other in restaurants and and actually plan it, but just spontaneously bump into each other at all sorts of events around the world of Broadway. And that was always like when we found each other and like ran to each other and hugged and then went back to whatever (laughs) craziness was happening. um, When I go home at night and sort of relive the evening on my subway ride home, your smile and your sparkling eyes and your good energy would always like be front and center of the experience. So this is really just like the beginning of a long thank you. But I want to just talk about like, was there even a Twitter account or an Instagram account when you first started at Playbill? There was. That's a good question. There was. Um I don't know actually when they were made, to be honest with you. I think maybe a year or two before I started in October 2015. Um, But it was the writers. It was like the graphic designer. Like everyone kind of had a hand in the pot and was tweeting or was posting on behalf of Playbill. So everyone had the password and anyone could kind of jump in. (laughs) Right. Which is like, I mean, you know, it it just for for. A media company, you know, for this like legacy brand to not have a social media manager at that time, I was I was gobsmacked because I would like viewed it as the BuzzFeed of Broadway, you know, Um, and that was a lot of that first year, I think really was like, okay, we need someone to just come in and like shape the voice and and make a consistent brand across the platforms. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and and grow the followers, you know, was a big thing too, because it was just kind of um where where all the editorial stories were going, you know, to get them out to people, but it, there wasn't like the fun community or I, I guess I should say there weren't as many as community engagement moments that we now get to have because I'm focused on it. Right. Those opportunities were limited for mm-hmm. your fans. Because mm-hmm. there was no one dedicated to it. So, you know, the writers are like, yeah. okay, I wrote this. Now we'll make sure it gets on Twitter or like, you know, but I remember they did have like playbill polls when I first started to be like, you know, who is your favorite gypsy like actor or favorite alphabet riff and things like that. So I think when I came in, I just wanted to expand on that. And just and, and, and because theater fans like the theater fan lifestyle is so specific and like passionate and real and so I'm like theater fans love to share their opinions so let's give them a space to do so even more Mm -hmm. than we already were so that was a big priority for me when I first uh first started but how did you like literally sort of boots on the ground how did you let theater fans know how did they figure out like oh we can do that here now Mm, yeah, that's a good question. Um, all of your questions are good. I'm not going to say that every time because it'll literally be the whole interview will be being like, great question, Alana. Um, but that's going to be the new intro to my show. Right. Like instead of all my lovely friends going, hey, it's Alice and Jenny, it's going to be, that is such a good question. Right. That is such a good question. The new In fact, line. I want to call the podcast, that is such a good question. That's actually a great podcast name. So no one take it because maybe we have to do something with that. Um, okay. <laughs> But immediately I've grabbed it on, on uh, all the website, the sites. social I have all the domains. Good. <laughs> yes. Good. I love yes. Go Daddy. our foresight into this. Um, you got you to gotta grab it. But yeah, you know, it, it, it is a good question just because I think it's like strategy can, 
I, I, people might disagree with this. I don't know. Strategy can only get you so far, but I think a big part of social media is throwing stuff against the wall, actually trying stuff, figuring out what works, figuring out what doesn't. And yeah, that's, that's what I did. I, I was so, uh, I'm trying to remember what age I was in 2015, but I was like 22, 23. It, I, I needed that fearlessness of being so young in order to do that job. I don't think if I, I actually don't think I could have done it now because when you're young, you're like, you don't you you don't know any better so you're like let's just do it like let's just try right. stuff and you know as you get older you get nervous because maybe you try something and it doesn't work and there's backlash mm-hmm. or like people you know and that's something I did learn well, there's an expectation right that right. you will know how to do it like of course you'll know how to do it and 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 I think something I learned quickly like early on too in in having this job was like a brand like Playbill means so many different things to so many different people. So I came in and I was like, I love Rent and I love Aida and In the Heights and you know Spring Awakening. And people were like, okay, Playbill to me reminds me of my grandma taking me to Avita in 1970, whatever. Stop with your Stephen Sondheim gifts and this and this and that. Right. Uh, that's like disrespectful. And so, you know, I it's one of those things where I had to realize mm. Felicia is not the brand of Playbill, which is something I'm still working on, quite honestly, because I love Broadway and the brand so much. Um, and and realize, okay, there has to be a balance. We can have a fun moment, but we also need to like respect the legacy, um, respect the traditions that that have made up this industry uh, for so many people. So you're talking about sort of generational. It's almost generational politics, right? Like, how did you, when you say I had to kind of understand, like, okay, I have to honor all generations, all parts of this thing that means so much to so many people. Um, how do you navigate that daily? I know. It's such a blur looking back on it now. and But it's good for me to reflect like this because it... You is know, it not a concern anymore? Like it now you're it, it's all in there and it's just like in your bag of tricks and you can do all of it? Yes and no, but I got to be honest, I don't think I'm as I don't think I'm as as daring, as risky as I was back then because of those mm-hmm. moments. Like mm-hmm. I think I I play it safe in certain ways. I mean, and in other ways I think people probably think I'm bold uh that I don't necessarily consider bold, i.e. like you know, approaching and discussing race and and identity like that's something that's so inherent to me that that doesn't feel bold but there's yeah the 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 kind of quirky you know like the the Bernie Sanders meme I saw people like in just yesterday you know putting it into all of these funny musical scenes and I'm like that feels like something I would have done when I first started would I do it now (laughs) I don't know because I'm I don't know if that's just my experience with social media or of my personal like I don't know it just I want to focus on the like bigger political moment. Maybe it's just me as a person. Mm-hmm. I don't know if evolved growing up, word, but yeah, right. right. Um, and maturing in your own way. Yeah. So so, uh, and 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 that's something like you know I think theater is like I was saying earlier a a, a industry and a community built on traditions. And my Capricorn son loves that. I love traditions and anniversaries and things of that nature. Um, but I think it's so important to cultivate the next generation and make sure their voices are heard. Um, and and so I know, you know, my time will come 
when it's like time for me to sunset my role because just because I will be getting stale and I will be, you know, in the trenches too long and it'll be time for me to move to another role. Um, Mm -hmm. Quite honestly, like that's, it's just like TikTok. I'm like, okay, I am old with TikTok because I get it. I'm on the platform, but I just, there feels like a disconnect for me in a way where I'm like, I don't, I don't know. You know, you can just feel limited by, I I don't want the brand to be limited by my being old. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which is so crazy to me to think of that as even possible. But I want to go back to a second to this Bernie Sanders meme, right? Like that's, that took off. I want you to explain to me how that happens. Like, do we know who the first person is? Was it you? Oh my God. (laughs) You know, that's so funny of like finding the origin and the genesis because, yeah, once it takes off, it really is hard to find the source. Um, I will say that knowyourmeme.com is really good. Um, Like, I know in the past when I've just looked up stuff, if it was for work or for me, like, just to be like, okay, Google X trend on Twitter and like things will pop up. But um, for that one, you know what? I'm trying to think if I saw the original. I think the first couple that I saw were him sitting there, or, and but there was another one with him holding like a a a Manila envelope, and people were like, "Okay, yeah. Bernie is acting like the inauguration is on his to do list, but it's not his whole day." I saw that on Twitter, and so then quickly people were like, "Oh, this moment is so relatable. We have all sat at." in a situation where our legs are crossed our, we don't we we, we did not have mittens on but we are sitting there where we look like we're bored and we just need to get on with our day and so that's that was the catalyst that's the spark that makes it become something so big so people were like oh when someone wants to have a zoom meeting but it could have been an email and you're sitting there bored with your mittens and your legs crossed or like um there there were other ones but you know so then it's and then it's like okay well where can this be placed contextually that adds another layer of humor so I saw one for I think he was in a wicked moment with Glinda and Elphaba I you know and so it just but but that's but that's what's that those are the best moments about social media that I love is like when there's inside jokes that can continue to expand like it's taking a knowledge base you already have and applying new context to it and that is those are my favorite moments they're so funny (laughs) do you have one of those that you generated that you are the source of oh gosh um I don't not necessarily a, a meme creation like we've definitely tapped into moments that already existed, but put the theater twist on them. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if you remember, this was time as a construct and a blur, but like maybe in <laughs> yes. December, potentially. Was November. I not in my house all day at that time? Right. I, maybe I probably was. Okay. <laughs> you were in your I house. I think I was. This was recently, okay. but what month couldn't tell you. Um, okay. Where, where, um, celebrities started doing like so-and-so on their shoulder because it was like elf on a shelf yes so like yes. the one that i can recall right now is like uh reese witherspoon did grease i so said she did like sandy um and danny zuko on her shoulder and it was like grease on reese so i was like okay let's apply you know a theater context to that so we did um Anita from West Side Story on Evita. So, there we go. So I was giving something to the Evita lovers in that moment. Um, yes. What else? I you know there were there were different ones like that. But so it's 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 
just adding those different layers on um, that, that I find really exciting. Yeah. So when the, um, you know, sometimes it's called pause, sometimes it's called intermission. There are different words that we have placed on this moment in time. Well, this very long moment in time where Broadway is shut down. Um, what happens at Playbill once Governor Cuomo makes that announcement that theater is closing? Um, or I guess it started out that all venues over 500 seats were closing, and that was every Broadway theater. So that was mm-hmm. the mandate. Um, what happens at your job? What happened on, on March 12th? Yeah. Uh, well, it's so funny. I don't, it's not funny, but it, it's... I the photo popped up for some reason on my phone. I was searching for something else, but I had, I was literally, I had just walked in the door from old B and H photo and video um, down by Penn station, which is just, you know, it's the store with like all of this video and camera equipment, audio, everything. And I was getting a new battery, a new light, a new tripod or something for six's opening night. Uh, And I walked in the door and everyone was gathering in the conference room for Governor Cuomo's announcement. And I had a cute purple suit ready. I loved six. I was so <laughs> ready to celebrate. I was like, yes, yes, yes and yes. Uh, and so that happened. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's not good. That's OK. okay mm-hmm. So they can't even do their they can't even do their opening night. Like how are, I guess they're going to have to do it in two weeks. That's going to be weird. What if right. there's another show opening that night? Like are Ruthie and I going to have to split up to cover the different openings? And I I was in the camp of it's going to be two weeks, not because I, just because I didn't know. I seriously right. feel like I was so ill-equipped with information when that started. And we went into work that was a Thursday. So we went into work Friday and Mark Pikert and I did a final Instagram live. And we said, Hey everyone, we're going to start working from home, but we're going to keep bringing you content. Stay tuned. Uh, he and I sat down in his office and thought like, what is two, we need to start thinking of two weeks worth of content of what we can do while we're at home. And the Playbill office, like, you know, is kind of notorious for like uh, smash, I was gonna say memes, but that's that's not the right word. We 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 love to talk about Smash, and so mm-hmm. we were like, there are thirty. I think he looked it up. He was like, okay, there are thirty-two episodes, um, a Smash, and so that is just a little over a month. So we'll start a watch party where we watch an episode of Smash a day, do a daily recap, we'll live tweet it, and that'll get us through the shutdown and then some. Cut to January twenty-first, twenty twenty-one. Uh, mm-hmm. 32 episodes mm-hmm. of Smash did not last us, obviously. Right. And it was, you know, I mean, I, I, so that that was the thing. It was just like, it was two weeks. It was four weeks. And I don't even know when it hit me, maybe sometime in April or May that I was like, oh, this is not, this is not, we're not, we're not coming back anytime soon. Right. And it was tough because, I, I, you know, like, I'm so grateful that I've had a job throughout this entire thing, but I have so many friends and people I care about that just have not been able to work. And like that, you know, that's income stuff, right? Like salary, being able to provide for themselves, but it's also like creatively when you are an artist, the, the feeling of stagnation 
it's just too it's just it can be too much to bear and I'm like that part mm-hmm. gets me to where I'm like I just want these people to feel the freedom and joy I know they feel from creating in their artistry and so there's just so many different layers of why it's heartbreaking heartbreaking well and then the next thing that happened to every community we just live it from our specific profession is black lives matter is front and center. And then what starts to happen in the theater community is all of these incredible voices within the Broadway and off-Broadway and and the whole holistic theater community across the country and the world start talking about the inequities and the pain within our own industry. So then that conversation starts to happen led by incredible voices um, uh, and coalitions are forming and demands are being made. And I wonder, um, are you then having conversations at work about how to cover this, how to share this, how to um, support? Yeah. Yeah, we were. Um, June was really hard for me. This summer was really mm-hmm. hard. Um, obviously, conversations about race and racism and just being a black person in the world and in the industry is something that I'm familiar with and and love to have um I think what that month signaled for me personally was like oh you know with call and response like that's where that was the space I had to process and have those conversations with mm-hmm. with fellow black theater makers and artists um right because I, 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 okay, so I'm sorry, I'm, there, there's the context of this being, the reason I started the podcast was because I entered the industry when Hamilton was at its height, when the Color Purple revival was happening, when Shuffle Along was uh, performing, and I was kind of spoiled. I was like, you know, oh, like, yes, black people are out here doing it. People of color are out here doing it. And I quickly realized that that was an anomaly and that's not how it always was. And so that's why I felt compelled to start the podcast because I just felt like I couldn't find the spaces to have those conversations in like a mainstream Broadway forum. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was about the same time that Broadway Advocacy Coalition formed and had their Broadway for Black Lives Matter concert. Um, so so I, I had found slash created this own space to talk about these these topics just because it seemed like <laughs> that that mainstream Broadway wasn't interested. And, you know, I I had felt like I had fought in certain ways to try to make it a part of the mainstream conversation, but was continually shut down and was conditioned to just not talk about it in a mainstream mm-hmm. way. Um that being said, like, of course, I felt like I was trying to find moments in what I did have control over being playable social media to talk about different things or just highlighting black artists. Um, so so June presented this opportunity of, oh, now mainstream Broadway wants to talk about it. And I had to have this moment of, OK, I've had I, I have my personal feelings about all of this. I'm representing the brand of Playbill. And like I learned in 2015, Felicia does not equal the brand. Um, so how do I how do I navigate making you know helping craft statements on behalf of the brand? I I I realized I am a gatekeeper um, in working at Playbill, even though 
I'm black, like I'm in a position of power and privilege in that way. So how can I best be a liaison um, for, you know, the, the theater makers I do know in the black community and, and amplify their voices and tell their stories. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, so it was just a lot. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot just of to course. try to, you know, figure out how to advocate for people in the rooms that I'm privileged to be in. Um, and, and I think it was, I was also just, it was such a quick sh- turn I'm like and all of a sudden it was whiplash I was like oh okay now we can get into gear so I think it just I don't know I don't even know if that all made sense but it was it was it was a very interesting month for me <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and has continued to be yeah yeah and I'm glad we're having the conversations you know I think the the anxiety I have is like is this is are these conversations that were had are having are they going to be sustained for when Broadway comes back and actual change is going to be made actual you know steps and actions are going to be taken to um, have that equity throughout the industry not just on stage but have black stage managers have black company managers directors producers etc like you know we, we we as a as an industry it's going to have to be actually put into action, you know, not just conversation. Mm -hmm. When you talked about what it is to see your friends really struggling beyond the the day-to-day financials, but the the struggle of how do I, I'm a creative person, I make things, how do I do it when there's no place to do it? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it has been incredible to see how people have found ways to continue to do what they love to do. You have found ways to continue to do what you love to do in this unprecedented time. And what what do you I, – I take such great inspiration from that. Um, I imagine it must feel really good to be a platform to help make space for that. Yeah, it – yeah. I mean, thank you. Yeah, it's – one of the, also, can you hear the sirens in the background? I do. I love it. I love oh. <laughs> everything that makes it so um, present and real and such okay. a memory of what this time was. Like okay. none of us are in soundproof recording booths. Nope. It's so <laughs> an example of I still wanted a podcast. And right. I thank you for coming on the show, even though I can't direct uh, sound to stop having the siren when I don't want it anymore. Right. It was an an ambulance. I've seen it move on. But I was just like, really? Yeah, it's true, though. It's 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 nothing like live recording. Yes, I've had car alarms going off nonstop. I've had. Yeah, I've had fresh direct leave its motor on for as long as possible outside. Excuse me, outside (laughs) the window. By the way, fresh direct, you're welcome to sponsor us because we do enjoy you, even though your truck was very loud. (laughs) amazing (laughs) um yeah I I it has been interesting in 2020 because there are so many emotions there were there you know it's some let me try to say it a better way 2020 was like it was just a constant emotional roller coaster right like there were days where people were completely down and defeated and then there were other days where like you know there could be a moment of joy um Mm -hmm. 
And as a brand on social media, you know, I, I, I try to read the room, so to speak. I, I, I try to navigate how our followers are feeling because they're not all the same. You know, some people may be right. having a bad day when others are having a good. And, um, you know, I'm sure I've made missteps I- along the way or, or people may s- not want to engage because that's not how they're feeling that day. Um, mm. But it's, yeah, it's a constant battle and, and social media is tricky in that way. And you can't, as much as I'd love to predict every reaction that social media posts could get, I can't. There's, you know, too many lived experiences that I don't know. Right. Um, right. But it's, yeah, it's one of those things where I just, try, I just try to be in tune with our audience and, and give content that, you know, I think the people I know would like, content that I'm interested in as a theater person. That's a and heavy fan. burden to carry, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there definitely is group discussion. Like I, I have a, a fellow social media team member and she focuses a lot on um, Twitter and Facebook and, and I'm mostly on the Instagram. Um mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there is group discussion, but it is, you know, mostly kind of taking the temperature of, yeah, what's going on in the world. Um, so, um, I guess, you know, like, like, like the day of the insurrection at the Capitol, like, I was like, I made the call, like, let's not post anything on Instagram because no one needs to guess the lyrics to Hairspray today. Like, no one needs to right. do, you know, our fun cutesy features like this people are overwhelmed playbill does not need to say anything today um Mm -hmm. within the next day like as a team we had discussed and like had seen very specific like call to actions from theater folks like lynn nottage is uh someone i remember who had had a tweet about it so we said okay we can curate a list of call to actions from theater folks into an article and that i felt comfortable putting on instagram because uh, our 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 Instagram audience wants to know what the theater community has to say about it and hear from the mm-hmm. people that they admire and respect um, yep. of their own things. So that you know that's kind of an, an uh, example of navigating that. But and then you know I know too like the weekend of um, the George Floyd protests. Personally, I was like very shaken up, like very overwhelmed. Wanted to have a weekend to disconnect and unplug because it was just the images were getting to me and I was like, I need to disconnect from social media this weekend. But for Playbill with my Playbill hat on, um, because, you know, it, like you said, it, we're not a political platform. And up until that point, it's not like mainstream was having big conversations about all of this. So I had scheduled a, uh, Instagram post about Broadway tattoos. Cause that's like a feature we do every so often. Cause people yeah. have a lot of Broadway themed tattoos and I yeah. scheduled or um, whatever, like Saturday or Sunday, sometime that weekend, and then I checked in on the post, and people were like, "Playbill, no one gives a shit about Broadway tattoos while we're marching in the streets for racial justice." And I'm like, "Oh, bet, like that is completely fair." I didn't, I, I and and that's the thing about like social media, like you know, you can set the tone or you can follow your audience, and I just didn't. That was on me to to not even think that like <laughs> mainstream Broadway was was going to be discussing that moment but I think that was because like everyone was at home when all of this was happening no one was distracted by their day-to-day lives and these calls for racial justice that have been happening for so long people 
were sitting around doing nothing and could hear them. Um, and so I was like, okay, great. And so that, you know, was one of those moments of like, okay, our audience has spoken up and I'm glad, I'm glad they're invested in this. So totally. let's pivot, let's actually dive in. Um, yeah. So, so it is one of those things where it's like, some days it's not a great day to play the Broadway alphabet game. Yeah. Where you're listing all the songs that start with the letter R. And so we have to be malleable you know, and responsive to what's going on in the world for sure. You know, one of the reasons I think you are so incredibly perfect for the job that you do is your own, you know, for those of you who don't know, Ms. Fitzpatrick Ooh. is a dancer. This woman is a dancer. You grew up loving dance. You grew up doing dance and performing. And I wonder, so I know that about you in terms of your passion for it, in terms of this moment in your life where there was this crossroads in terms of like, what do I do as a grown-up person? But what I don't know is, did you love musicals? Were you a theater kid as much as you were a dance kid? I honestly love you for even knowing the difference. Do you know what I mean? Because I think- yeah. There is a huge a difference. difference, and I don't know if that nuance is talked about enough. Um, because I, I was a Disney kid. Let me say that first, right? Like I was mm-hmm. a Disney Renaissance, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King. There are home videos of me dancing to "I Just Can't Wait to Be King." So that <laughs> was like an unofficial introduction, which I really hope will be sent to me as soon as we're done. Keep going. Oh, yes. Okay. YouTube link, and I hope it'll bring you so much joy. I'll send it to you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You know, and there, and and I think of movies like Brandy Cinderella or Sister Act Two, right? Like there were, there was definitely musical theater elements to my life. And Mama Fitz, as I call my mom, you know, introduced me to Sound of Music and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So I had those those influences in my life, but I didn't understand it to be uh, a career. I didn't understand it to be an industry, right? Like those were just like, yes, that's what brings me joy in my young childhood life. Yeah. Um, I was really obsessed with pop music as well. Like I love Janet Jackson and Spice Girls growing up. So I want, like I, (laughs) I wanted to stage Spice World. I don't know if anyone remembers that 1995 cinematic classic, but I wanted to stage that with my neighborhood friends in my garage. And I remember explaining it to my mom being like, so-and-so is going to be this. And my mom was so nurturing and encouraging. She, she was like, okay, great. She probably knew I wasn't going to follow through or like that was very audacious for a six-year-old, but I love that I had the space to be that way. Um, And and so and the support, right. And so with like I, I say that to say I've had a very like theater artistic mind. I just didn't know it. And then I also formally was dancing. So I took dance classes. It was jazz. It was tap. Um, and I avoided ballet for a very long time because I, I wanted to be dancing with Janet Jackson. Like I want to be a backup dancer. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I don't need ballet. But um, I had a love of performing and storytelling. And people were like, okay, if you want to be a serious dancer, you have to take ballet. Which now I take. I take a pause. Well, actually, I took a pause then, but for a different reason. And now I'm like, you know, that's for a very specific concert, classical type dance. Like I could have continued on um, on the path that I wanted. But but in any case, I did end up taking ballet and it sucked the joy and the freedom that I felt from the dance I had done before. Mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. you know it wasn't a space that I necessarily felt welcome in um not you know I mean I, I was the only black girl in my ballet studio there were two other black they were boys that kind of came in and out I'm trying to remember there were other girls of color but it, it was that element and it was also body type like I have thick thighs I have a butt I ended up growing really large breasts in high school and like that is just not conducive for this Eurocentric art form and mm-hmm. so I think it was during that time when I was really just trying to pull myself away from ballet because I felt like I didn't fit that mold that I discovered theater for real for real I and mean, discovered musical theater started watching YouTube videos of Susan Egan and Terrence Mann behind the scenes at Beauty and the Beast and the red carpet and uh going to musical theater camps and we did like bye bye birdie like that's when I really was like oh 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 this is a whole canon like you know you have the nutcracker and revelations for the dance world musical theater has its own thing and I think that's kind of what led me to learn more about it like in college and stuff but yeah so I'm like a late musical theater bloomer honestly mm-hmm. but you've caught up real quick I've tried. I've tried. Yeah. There's still a lot I don't know, but Playbill was definitely like a boot camp, you know, for yes, like we yes. earlier. Uh, so have you had moments like head exploding moments where people that were so beloved by you as a kid, you, you know, the Susan Egan's and the Terrence Mann's and the the Disney of it all were yeah. your, you know, one of your other jobs aside from social media manager, you alluded it to it before about getting equipment for six the opening <laughs> night is that you do the the red carpet interviews on opening night for every Broadway show. So what are some of the moments where your head exploded because child Felicia and grown up Felicia were like fangirling yeah. and freaking out? There's so many and I'm so lucky. Like I, I, I'm so full of gratitude for those moments because it's not often that people get to think and, you know, meet meet but but be able to say thank you for changing my childhood changing my life um so I'm really grateful for those moments but I think yeah with with Susan and Terrence I have met them both I got to interview Susan about Beauty and the Beast on Broadway for um I think it was oh it was some concert honoring honoring Alan Menken I don't I don't remember which one now and Mm -hmm. I was I I blacked out honestly I don't remember what exactly I asked her but I was like I, because Alana, I'm telling you, like my, my school didn't have theater. And so when I was discovering musical theater, it was a very private secret thing about me. And it was mm-hmm. like, I remember making snacks in the kitchen and I would set up the laptop in the living room and watch these videos like at night by myself. And so just, I might start crying. Like I would go home after school and turn on the cast album and like, oh my God, I am going to cry. I did not expect that. But I would turn on the cast album and like, how straight up with props like I had a basket I had books and I would be Belle and I would sing along to Susan Egan right with this cast home after school and so to get to like thank her for that and and ask her about her craft and her process was just like incredible um and 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 I, I've gotten to express my thanks to Terrence Mann as well at the Dear Evan Hansen opening night party. He was there and I was like, excuse me, you're an icon. And mm-hmm. um, the other person I would put on that list is Whoopi Goldberg, who Sister Act 2, right? And and Brandy Cinderella, like I was saying before, she's obviously the lead of those. And like, um, like I don't know if she's the lead in Cinderella necessarily, but in Cinderella. And she she just has such a repertoire of like influencing my childhood. And so I got to meet her 
at the 2016, it was right after the Tony Awards and the Orlando Pulse shooting um, when everyone got together to sing. Um, and I saw mm-hmm. her and I was frozen and I was like, that is Whoopi Goldberg. Oh my God. Uh, like, like literally just shocked and someone else had gone up to say hi to her and I was like you know what just you got you when are you going to be in the same room with her ever again you need to do this and so when I went up to her and I was like Miss Goldberg like I just want to say I'm such a fan thank you thank you for just all the work you've done like I, I love all of your movies and she was like whoopee baby just whoopee and gave me a hug and it was magical it was magical what's been really incredible the, the the positives of social media and the positives of what you do um, is taking away this divide between the people who make the thing and the people who appreciate the thing and mm-hmm. and the meaningfulness for both to get to have conversations like not just I loved it, but why you loved it. Really, like what was it? Like for you, you're describing a very specific kind of latchkey kid moment Um of what it is to kind of make your own snack and be in that room by yourself and kind of, you know, creating comfort for yourself. And there's something so beautiful. I I, I just think what a beautiful thing, the way art can do that. And then for you to get to have these moments of talking to the person who did that for, like how incredible like, I, I can't even yeah. wrap my brain around that. I can't either some days. And I, and, and that's like gratitude is such a thing that I'm like, just, I, I have to be so grateful for all the challenges and days of burnout that I've, you know, felt <laughs> being a I'm social sure. media manager and director. Of like, of course, exhaustion. Exhausting. Yeah. But there are so many moments of, of being in this theater community that I have felt pure joy and that's I think that's the connection I make to to the snack and watching it on a laptop to performing with all my props in my bathroom after school like I felt such a sense of joy there's something about storytelling that I think um unlocks that emotion for me and I think a lot of other people you know I mean empathy uh freedom you feel less alone and and so to be able to actually engage with these people who have felt that themselves but like also it's it's not that it's just their job but it's their craft like that's what they're doing and so it's so important for me to communicate to people like you have brought such joy so the days that you may feel burnt out and you may feel exhausted I hope they feel worth it because they have done x y and z for all of us fans um well and that's why as theater makers and people in this community, it has been really strange, you know, to have our arms, you know, tied behind our back, to not get to go perform, to not get to go be the place Mm -hmm. that brings comfort, distraction, joy, holds a mirror up, like all the things that a piece of theater can do, um, to not be there doing what it is we feel is our place on the planet right? In times of struggle to not be allowed, you know, I keep hearkening back to your empathy for your your creator friends who suddenly, you know, obviously you can write a poem at home, 
Um, and, and we have found lots of ways, you know, writers are writing and people are using Zoom and other platforms to share their plays, their musicals, their songs, you know, using technology as a way to get it out. But it's very strange not to be breathing the same air as the people you are making the thing with and the people you are making the thing for. And it has really turned so many of our worlds completely upside down. Is just a vaccine going to be enough to get people to go to the theater? How do you get people psychologically comfortable to go to the theater? You know what I mean? To be in spaces with a lot of other people, even if vaccinated, or will we be so desperate to do it? We'll, we'll, are we all signing up day one? Like, it'll be really interesting to see the psychological impact. I know. I I feel like there's been jokes on Twitter or like texting with my friends of like Glasshouse is the bar we love to go to post pre-show whatever. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I am bringing an equity cot. I we're having to sleep <laughs> over the first night. Like inject yes. me with the vaccine. Slumber party at Glasshouse. Yes. Slumber party at Glasshouse. But like because I think we are like you said like we're missing. We're, we're missing the art and we're missing the community that goes along with it. And I know, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways I feel like the community is fractured, um, sort of like our country. Like, I think there is mm-hmm. no healing that needs to be done. Um, but I, uh, I, I don't know. There's just so, like theater people were inherently so close because of the intimate experiences we have together, like if on stage or as audience members, you know, there are, mm-hmm. I have, I have experienced some things as an audience member where I feel bonded with the other audience members, even if I don't know them just because of what we saw together. And yes. Um, I yeah. remember it come from away, this woman at the curtain call, um, you know, to my right said, I'm so sorry. I came to see this by myself. Can I hug you? You know, <gasps> oh she gosh. just needed, to go through it with someone physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm married to that woman. And <laughs> a lot of, I have to tell you something. You just making that joke reminded me, and then we'll get back to the serious topic at hand. Yes. But when I came to see your interview with Ted Danson and Mary Steenenberg, I can never say her name. Steenburgen. 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 I love her, and I apologize for messing uh, up her name. But um, we love her. When you you made a hilarious joke because you were asking Ted Danson how he got involved with theater. And he was like, oh, some girl I followed her like in college to a class. And you were like, funnily enough, like, you know, uh, Tina is here. And like you gestured out to the audience. And I had never laughed so hard in my life. And I have to be honest, I did borrow that bit for an interview that I have done during the quarantine time. Uh, I'm so glad. I thought you would appreciate that. Yeah. So just you're the best. You're so funny. And um, And Ted's face, Ted's face, like for one second, like dropped. He was like, is she? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's so good. Anyway, sorry. I had just that memory. I'm so glad you were there. That was such a fun day. Well, I know you have to go back to celebrating theater globally because um, it's actually a work day and you actually do have to do it. But before I let you go, and by the way, this is like part one. You have to come back because there's so much that I want to talk to you about. Um, is there a little known fact about you that you can share? Oh my gosh, I should have been prepared for this. Um, Okay, yeah. You know what? I, we used to do this when we had like meetings at 
at Playbill back in the day and we had to have a fun fact about ourselves. I lost my first tooth at Taco Bell was always my go-to. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) so that's what we'll go with today. We're going to go with it because that's fair. Did you, did you like find it in a tortilla? Like where is it? Great follow-up, great follow-up. Um, I mean, I have no idea where it is now, but it was, I was not, did you, okay. Yeah. And so I felt it come out while I was eating. I have no idea where it is now. You don't, you don't. (laughs) Well, because I used, to get little, I used to have a little box that I would keep like a tooth in for the tooth fairy. But yes. then after I got my monetary exchange, I have no idea what happened to it. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was just we'll like, have to ask it. Mama Fitz. We yeah, will have to ask her. Um, yes. But <laughs> yeah, so I know that's a really random, maybe terrible little known fact, but uh, thank you for continuing to find ways to bring incredible joy and thoughtfulness and on all the platforms and in your life. Guys, I really do, for for really um, deep, intelligent uh, conversations with beautiful, beautiful artists hosted by my friend Felicia, go to anywhere you listen to podcasts uh, and and download Call and Response. It's such a great, great series of conversations. Thank you, sweet friend, for being on the show today. I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me. I love you so much. I really appreciate it. A-OK. And one more thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, would you mind going over to the Apple Podcast show page and rate and review the show? Thank you. The Little Known Facts theme song was written and performed by Georgia Famusa with backup vocals by Caleb Famusa. And episodes are recorded in New York City and edited by Nicholas Clark. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.